Well, let me open us in prayer and we'll get started today, guys. Father, thank you so much for this day. And uh, God, as we uh, uh, journey through a new season in our life, as we begin to open the church back up, uh, God, I pray right now for the men who are joining us online uh, in Zoom and for whatever reason, whatever space, God, we pray that they would stay healthy and they would be blessed by you. Beyond that, for the guys that are in the room here, uh, whether they're retired and will be ultimately going to breakfast or back to the house, I pray for their strength. For those who are heading off to the office, I pray your amazing and rich blessings in their lives. And so, God, as we talk about the idea uh, just from a biblical perspective about failing but failing forward, uh, I pray that each and every one of us would be challenged by you uh, to, um, to look back and survey uh, where we've been and what's going on in our lives, but also look forward uh, to what you would have for us in the days ahead. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Well, we do begin a new series today entitled Felling Forward. Uh, as we were talking with our with our comm team, I kind of told them the vision of this, and they came up with this idea that we would we'd talk about felling forward. Apparently, John Maxwell had a book uh, a number of years back, maybe a couple decades back, entitled Felling Forward. And that's not what we're going to be studying. We're going to be looking at God's Word, but, but probably some of the same principles are there uh, in, uh, in this idea that as men, we want to make sure that uh, we acknowledge that we do fail, uh, but when we fail, we need to fail forward. We don't always need to be looking in the rearview mirror. I think it was Winston Churchill said that the true definition of success is moving from failure to failure without losing enthusiasm is moving from failure to failure without losing enthusiasm. And my guess is that he said that back in the days in the throes of World War II when uh, they were getting beaten at one place and beaten at another place and beaten at another place before they finally ultimately were able to turn it around. And so for you and I, uh, there might be those seasons in lives, in our lives, that, um, that we fail and we've got to move on. Uh, sometimes uh, we fail um, and we gave it our best shot that um, that you went on it. You went for it in your life. You went for it on fourth down and you didn't make it. Still could have even been the right call and the right time. And you could have even called the right play. You know, just someone else ran short of the sticks. Uh, there are other times that we fail and we screwed up. I mean, we sinned. We made a mistake. Uh, there are other times we fell, and it, it, it wasn't just, you know, that it was the right call and the right time. It just didn't work out, but we had all of our chips in. There are other times that it wasn't our sin. Uh, sometimes we fell because someone else lets us down. And we find ourselves uh, hurt in the midst of the process, and that is a part of life. And so what we have to do is fail, but fail forward. As I thought about uh, starting this series today, I, I, I was just sitting here writing down, let me give you five statements that kind of drive this idea. You don't, have to, uh, you don't have to write them all down, but these are five statements uh, about men who have failed that I just, as I was praying through for this, I just said, you know, I've never done this. A lot of times when I put together a series, I will put together a couple of thoughts and statements about where I think we are, like when we're in the RAID series, here's where I think we are. Now, those become kind of the under 
underlying idea of what fosters the series, uh, but I typically don't share those because they're not part of the outline. Now, they might come out, but this time I just kind of wanted to share with you five statements or kind of presuppositions about men who have failed, okay? And and I don't claim to be a psychiatrist nor the son of a psychiatrist. Uh, that's not what we're about in here, but here are kind of my thoughts. I believe that men or sometimes in a state of confusion about how or if God can use them after they have failed. I think there are times that men are in a state of confusion after a massive failure in their life as to whether God can use them again. And depending on the depths of the failure or uh, the, uh, the embarrassment of the failure or how much they failed, uh, I think they're that much more confused. So if that's you, as you think back, whether you're on Zoom or whether you're in person, if you are wondering, can God use me after my failure in life? I want to assure you he can. Here was thought number two that kind of drove uh, the underpinnings of, um, of this series. I believe uh, that men are oftentimes confused, and when they are confused uh, about uh, what to do after their failure, that men have a tendency to move into a state of passivity in their Christian service and Christian walk. So if they're confused as to whether God can use them again after their failure, I think that leads to men moving into a state of passivity, that we become passive in our faith. We sit back because we don't feel good enough to be used by God. Or what if someone finds out what I did or about my past failures? And so I do think that there are times, and I've had many times where I've sat over a cup of coffee or breakfast or sat in my office with a guy that says, man, I just, you know, I, I, I just don't really feel like I need to do anything now because of what I've done. So I think that's exactly what Satan wants from us. If we look back over a failure in our past or just a long season of not being faithful to God, I think that we can move into passivity. And I, I tell you, I think that's exactly where Satan wants you. I think that's exactly where Satan wants you. Because if you're not active in serving God and walking with God and pursuing God, man, that becomes the playground for Satan to play in. My biggest fear, I will tell you, that when we come out of covid if the economy doesn't rally back to where it needs to rally back to, uh, and more and more men are laid off or lose their jobs or don't have something to do, the more and more men have to stay at home instead of engaging with other people. Man, you put us in a state of isolation and passivity. Let me tell you what, we are prone to make mistakes. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You know, the best thing we can do is be moving as men. God created us as men who need to be on the move. Now, oftentimes we can be moving the wrong way, and sometimes we need mid-course corrections, but I think there are times when we have failed that we have a tendency to drift into passivity in our service to God and in our walk with God. Here's the third thing that I came up with. I believe that oftentimes men who have failed... Um, have a tendency to settle for less than God's best. We have a tendency to settle for less than God's best. 
And we somehow think that's what we deserve. We think some other guy who uh, hasn't failed as much as I have or hasn't made as many mistakes as I have, that I then settle for less than God's best. And guys, I want to encourage you to remove that mindset or get rid of that mindset. See, the gospel is about God's grace. How many of you know that? That's God giving you His best in spite of you being at your worst. Do you understand? We don't have to settle for less than God's best because grace is all about God giving us what we do not deserve. So we need to get this idea out of our mindset that somehow, in some way, that as we journey forward in life, if I have failed, if I have blown up a marriage, if I've blown up a business, if I've struggled with an addiction, if if I've committed adultery, if I've done something else, that somehow I have to settle for God's less than God's best. And I want you to know that is not a biblical mindset. That is not a biblical idea. Let me give you a fourth thought as I was just to kind of presupposition about men that I wanted to be able to challenge just to move beyond. I believe sometimes men who have failed... Uh, somehow lose a compelling vision of how we can truly make a comeback in God's eyes. That we can lose a compelling vision as to how we can truly make a comeback in God's eyes. That we understand this idea of repentance and turning back towards God, but we really don't have a vision of what the comeback is going to look like. Uh, of what it's really going to look like for me after I come back. And I I think that you and I need to capture a vision, and hopefully we'll share through God's Word over the next couple of weeks what it truly means to come back and to have a vision of what my comeback can look like. And I want you to know, a lot of times your vision for your comeback is not going to entail no one ever knowing about your past failure. Sometimes the best part of your comeback might be the fact that people know about your past failure and see God's grace in your life and you pursuing His best and new vision for your life after your failure. Here's number five, the last thought that I came up with. I believe the Bible tells us everything we need to know about overcoming our failures, our states of confusion, our passivity, in order to be the men that God wants us to be. And so today, as we think about those as overriding thoughts, uh, I want to use, I wanted to start with probably the most familiar example that you and I have in God's Word that we understand about failure. And I want to tell, take you kind of through His journey briefly today in the next few minutes. I want to take you through His journey to where he was, to how he failed, in a very visible way, to when Jesus showed up to him, showed him God's best for his life, and who he ended up becoming. Now we're going to do all that in just the next few brief moments. So Justin, first of all, put up Matthew chapter 26, verse 31. And we're going to look at Peter. Uh, Y'all know this part of the story. You know it well. But I just want to show you as we move from Peter moving from, uh, you know, pursuing God's best in his life, having all the pride, to moving to a place of spiritual passivity, to Jesus showing up to him and say, listen, 
I want you to follow me, and then we're going to see where we end up um, running into Peter again a little later in the book of Acts. So here we are, Matthew chapter 26, verse 31. Now notice, we're in a state and a season where Jesus is in the upper room. He's about to be delivered in the hands of sinful men, and Peter's pride shows up. How many of you know we all have a little pride? I want you to know, guys, um, God created us as men to have some pride. I believe that. I want you to know, as men, God created. It is not wrong to have a little pride in your work, a little pride in who you are, a little pride in the successes that you have. God created us that way. Now, we don't want to let pride go too far, right? We don't want to have an arrogant pride. We don't want to have a a, a pride that uh, walks over other people. We don't want to have a pride like Peter does, that we are so prideful that we think we cannot fail. And that's really where Peter was, is he was so prideful that he looks around with all the other disciples in the room, and he says, Jesus, this is exactly what he says. We're going to read it here in a second. Even if all these other dudes who are sold out to you, even if they all fall away, I'll, I won't do it. Now, that is a pride above pride, right? Now, because remember, in the room, James and John were the ones leaning over to Jesus and said, hey, listen, now, how about this? Uh, uh, in your kingdom, one of us sits on your right hand and one of us sits on the left. So he was surrounded by prideful guys, and he was way more prideful than they were. So look at it. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 31, it says, Then Jesus told them, This very night you will all fall away. He's talking to all of them. On the account of me, for it is written... I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, this is him predicting his resurrection, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. And Peter replied, here's Peter's pride, even if all fall away on the account of you, I never will. Now remember, Peter's pointing at at his buddies. He's pointing at the other disciples. When Jesus said, all of y'all are going to fall away, Peter says, even if they all fall away, I never will. And Jesus looks at him and answered, truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same thing. Now they all jumped in, you know, as we think about who we are as men, you know, we all start off uh, as uh, as infants, young children. Um, the truth is we are bent to sin. We've got a sin nature. Uh, if you're like me and you've had kids, I never had to train my kids to be selfish. How many of you know that? Uh, you know, the, the, they just, the, the, right after mom, mine was the next word that they learned, right? And we become selfish as men. And that's a lot of times where we are. That we don't have to, we are born with a sin nature. We are born with a sin nature. And that sin nature, as we grow, takes over. And then all of a sudden, hormones kick in and guys become teenagers. And then we begin to think things in our mind. And then if we are like today, you get to see things. And then all of a sudden, you go in your college days and your young adults. And then you settle down. And then as you settle down, you hope and wish all these temptations in your life would go away. And guess what? As a man, as long as there is red blood flowing through your veins and my veins, we are prone to temptation. How many of you understand that? Doesn't matter what age you are. The temptations just change, right? 
Man, what I was tempted to do when I was 13 and is, was different than what I was tempted to do when I was 23, which is te- different than what I was tempted to do when I was 33 and 43 and 53, and go all the way through the rest of your ages. We will always have temptations, guys, and we can't be like Peter, whatever state of life we're in, and have this pride that says, oh, a lot of other folks at church might fall. A lot of my other buddies might fall, but not me. And so, guys, if we are going to move forward and journey forward in life, thought number one is you cannot let your pride run you off a cliff. You cannot let your pride run you off a cliff. Here's thought number two. Let's look at Peter's failure quickly. If you jump down a little further in Matthew chapter 26, verse 29, uh, here's where Peter disowns Jesus. It says, Now Peter was sitting out uh, in the courtyard, and a servant girl, so Judas has come in, Jesus had been delivered in the hands of sinful men, and a servant girl came in to him said, You were one of those who was with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But Peter answered and denied it before them all. He says, I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then you look at verse 71. It says, then he went out of the gateway or to the gateway where another servant girl saw him. And she said to him, said to the people that were there, this is one of those who is with Jesus of Nazareth. And he denied it again with an oath. In other words, he swore. He said, no, 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 no. I didn't know him. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, surely you are one of them. Uh, your accent gives you away. Then he again called down curses on them and he swore to them, I don't know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. Then Peter uh, remembered the word of Jesus that he had spoken to him before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. Man, guys, let, let me give you some hard questions when we think about Peter's failures here. What past failures in your life have ever undercut your journey? What past failures in your life? If you're, if you're taking a note there, maybe you want to write them with invisible ink because you're too embarrassed. Uh, what past failures have undercut your journey in the past? And guys, this is where we got to be honest. You know, we, we see Peter's sin not once, not twice, but three times. There might be some guys in this room that uh, you're addicted to something and people know. There might be guys in this room, and I, I, don't, I don't know, I'm, I'm talking about a medication or an alcohol, and you cover it well. But there might be other guys in this room that you're addicted to something and people know. It's cost you a job. There might be some guys on Zoom or, or in this room that uh, you've been the one that's blown up a marriage. You messed it up. And you look back and that's undercut your journey. Um, I think some of the wounds that we could walk around with, some of the past struggles that we could walk around with as men, is, is maybe some of you guys uh, grew up in a household that wasn't a great household. Your dad wasn't around and you grew up with your mom, or your dad was around and he was vicious. 
or your mom ended up being the one that's leaving. There are times that we are wounded in the past and we're struggling in the past because of uh, of the family that we grew up in. I think there are other times that we uh, we have done something that causes us to be all alone. That uh, we've blown up the marriage and we realize as we look back, man, I screwed that one up and it cost me big. I lost what I loved. Or you might be all alone because someone else sinned and left you. Amen. Those are, those are all failures. Somehow, some way, uh, as things are journeying through for you and me, as we're journeying through life, that, 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 that they're real pains. They undercut our journey. I think there are times that, um, as I said a few minutes ago, there are times that we put our best in. And it just doesn't work out. I've, I've met many guys over the years that they thought, man, I feel like God wants me to start a business. So they go start a business. And the business fails. Man, that's a wound, right? I've lost a lot or I've lost everything. I've lost, you know, uh, in these seasons forever. I think, I think there are other times that we just do like Peter did. We sin. I've got no one else to blame but myself. I was the guy. I'm the one that showed up to the scene of the accident. You know, you, you have you have Peter's denial, then you have Peter's pride. Now let's jump forward and let's see where Jesus reengages him. Turn, uh, go to John chapter twenty-one, verse fifteen, and guys, for you and I, as we go, it's real clear what Peter's problem was, what Peter's sin was, his denial of Christ. I think it's real important for you and I to know and identify and acknowledge the sin that took us off track. The sin that I've done in the past. Now, that doesn't mean you always have to, have to post it on social media, <clears throat> but I think it's important for all of us that we would know what our sin is, right? So I can stay away from it in the future. It's important for all of us to know where am I prone to fail? And steer clear of that area. So that's why I want to encourage you. What is it? What is your sin? What is your struggle? What is, your, is, is it lust? Is it alcohol? Is it, man, is, is it one thing? Is it another? But notice Jesus, knowing that Peter, because of his sin, was going to drift, out, drift back into a space of, uh, of pursuing less than God's best for his life, into a passivity for his faith, Jesus shows up. Now notice what it says, John chapter 21, verse 15. It says, when they saw, um, uh, when they had finished eating, Jesus, so Jesus showed up, they had gone back to fishing, Peter had just gone back to being a fisherman, which he was. Jesus said to Peter, Simon, son of John, now imagine this, the last thing Peter had said to Jesus, even if all of these guys deny you, I will not. So Jesus showed back up, and here's Jesus' first words back to Simon Peter. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? It kind of kind of feels like he's twisting the knife, doesn't he? Remember the last thing that Peter had said to Jesus, even if all of these guys fall away, I will not. Now Jesus is showing up and says, hey, buddy, do you love me all more than all these guys? Kind of, kind of, what was Jesus doing? He was identifying the problem. 
Peter, your pride is what ran you off the mountain. You thought you could stand there alone. You thought you could answer the, sl- the servant girl. You thought you could do it alone. And the reality is so many times we do the same thing. So here's what Jesus said. Do you really love me more than these? And notice Simon's response. He says, yes, Lord, he said to them, you know that I love you. He doesn't say, I love you more than these guys. He says, you know, I love you. Then Jesus said, feed my lambs. What did he say? You're not going to be passive in your faith. You're not going to sit around and do nothing because of your past failures. You're going to feed my lambs. Then it says again, Jesus said, Simon, uh, son, son of John, in other words, Peter, he says, do you love me? He says, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. In other words, you're not going to let your failure move you into passivity. Then he goes on and says, Peter was hurt. Because the third time, Jesus looked at him and says, Peter, do you love me? Now, remember, the first time Jesus said, do you love me more than these guys? That was a reflection back, I believe, to his original statement that all of these are going to fall away. Then Jesus realized he had his attention, and he said, feed my sheep. Then he says, take care of my sheep. In other words, it doesn't matter what your past failure is. God wants to move you out of your passivity in faith. The worst thing from a church for a church is for men to be passive in their faith because of past failures. That is the worst thing for the kingdom of God. That is what Satan wants. Satan wants to keep you looking back at your past failure and past sin so much that you won't pursue God's best in your life and in His kingdom and in His church. That's what Satan wants. And that's why I want to encourage you. Man, just write down your sin, acknowledge it. Acknowledge it. Because once I write it down and I acknowledge it and I pray over it, then I can steer clear of it and I can go back to where I wrote my past sin down and I can say, that has been forgiven, therefore I'm moving forward with God. I'm not going to sit around and be passive in my faith and in my walk uh, and I'm going to pursue God's very best for me in my life. And so he says, do you love me? And he said to the Lord, as we jump down, uh, I'm in verse 17 right now. Uh, He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. So he says, take care of my lambs, feed my sheep, take care of my lambs, do something. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death uh, by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Those two words. Let me tell you what, that is a man thing to say. Jesus, being a rabbi, looks at him and he says, follow me. That is a man thing to say. That, that you need to follow me, and it means take action. So I want you to know, Jesus, I believe, regardless of where you are, whether you're on Zoom or in person, Jesus is looking at every man in this room saying, I don't care about your past failures. Follow me. I want you to hear me, guys, on Zoom. Jesus is saying to every man, I do not care about your past failures. Follow me. And then as you journey on, Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved, talking about John, uh, uh, follow him, following them. This was the one uh, who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? You go back and look. You're talking about John there. And then look at verse uh, 21. 
It said, when Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? So he thought, number one, is Jesus looks at you and he looks at me and he says, I don't care about your past failures. You follow me. You serve me. You take care of my sheep. You feed my sheep. And here's the second thing that Jesus is saying. Notice what Peter did. He looked around and he said, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered and said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You follow me. See, Peter looked around at John, because if you look in the intervening verses, we pulled some out of there. Jesus said, listen, ultimately, you're going to have an opportunity to die for me, Peter. Church tradition, church history tells us that Peter was ultimately crucified, but he chose to be crucified upside down. That's what, that's what we tell us. John ended up living, up living in exile in a long season, a long time, wrote the book of Revelation. But Peter looks at John and says, what about him? The point for Peter was, don't worry about what I have him do or what I've called him to do. Your job is to do what I've called you to do. Now, as we think about that, Jesus looks at Peter, he acknowledges his past failures, and then he says, I could not care less. I died on the cross for your sins. Your job's to follow me. When Peter turned and looked and asked about John, Jesus basically said, listen, my plan for John is different than my plan for you. Don't be jealous about him. So guys, here's how we're going to close today. I want to encourage you there at your group to be willing to openly and honestly share a sin of your past. Get it out on the table. Guys on Zoom, if you want to, you want to chat something, you can. Secondly, I want you to have a conversation in your head with Jesus where Jesus looks at you and just simply asks you, do you love me? And then finally, ask yourself, are you following Christ? Or am I passive in my faith? Am I, not, am I settling for less than God's best for me? If we're going to be who God wants us to be, we have to... Put the past in the past and pursue Christ. I love the beauty of this passage where Jesus looks at Peter and says, follow me. Whatever you've done, wherever you've been, Jesus looks at you and says, follow me. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. God, thank you for an opportunity just to uh, join with these men and kind of level set us all as we begin to come back into your house for Tuesday morning men's Bible study. I pray for every man on Zoom as we think about past failures and past mistakes and maybe even current failures and current mistakes that we wouldn't let pride overwhelm us, but instead that we would come to your feet, Christ, and we would hear you say, follow me. 
God, I pray that every, every man who hears this podcast or hears this Bible study this morning would hear those two words from you, Christ. Follow me. And as a result, they won't look around and compare what you want them to do to what you want other men to do, but instead, they would faithfully follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.